It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live. <clears throat> and we're coming to you live. I guess not. There we are. We're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, I hope you're doing all right. I hope you had a great holiday and New Year's, of course. But uh, we're back better than ever, although <laughs> although uh, it didn't seem that way in a couple of seconds ago when... Uh, I wasn't getting my sound right, but uh, the bottom line is we're here. And uh, today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out his website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I'll go all the way to St. Simons to get an authentic Italian Meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by our next Billy C. Boxing event. It's our holiday after the holidays party. Yeah, 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 that's what it is. And it's perfect for people that live in the Northeast because I've been freezing my tushy off the last couple of weeks uh, up here in uh, the uh, Nord country. And I can't wait to go down to St. Simon's. We are doing a live event. We want you part of it. And uh, we'll have it at the Sea Palms Resort. It's taking place on Friday night, January 19th. Uh, Go up to thecpalms.com to get the number and uh, demand the Billy C. discount. Join us, because I can't wait to get down there. And finally, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Better Man and Plan. It's available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching the show or while you're listening to the show. You could do you could do it all at once. All you got to do is go to uh, BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com or uh, go to our website or email me Billy at talking 
Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, and you'll get your own copy. Um, coming up uh, on the show today, now this week, uh, we, uh, oh, man, I'm behind. I Normally we do our blast from the past on Wednesday, but, you know, the holiday threw us off uh, a day, uh, so we'll uh, double check on that. We got some new segments we're going to be uh, unveiling next week. Uh, we'll uh, give you a lowdown on that. Uh, but uh, Foist, I want to talk about some of the stuff in the news. I got a bunch of emails to read, as you would expect. Um, we got some comments from uh, other fighters uh, talking about what I want to talk about today. Anthony Joshua against Joseph Parker, a world heavyweight title, uh, a unification fight. We've been hearing about it going every every other day. Oh, it's 10% done. Oh, it's 20% done. Oh, it's 90% done. Today, it's 95% done. But some of the issues here that I wanted to, to discuss was to back up some of the things we had said uh, last year. <laughs> the last time we were doing Listen, you know, uh, Joseph Parker wanted a 50-50 split, similar to what Deontay Wilder wants to fight Anthony Joshua. Uh, nobody believes he deserves that. And it went back and forth, and, uh, you know, we talked about it on this show. We thought maybe he should accept a, a fixed amount. The guy never made $2 million, just like Deontay Wilder. But it was announced that apparently they cut a deal. Anthony Joshua's team wants this fight so bad that they cut a deal, and the purse split is actually something I don't think they should have done. The purse split, split is a total... Uh, revenue split and it's somewhere between 30 and 35 percent going to Joseph Parker with the rest going to uh, AJ so assuming just for argument's sake let's say it's a 70 30 split of total revenue uh, that could uh, be big bucks we're talking you know 30 million dollars 40 million dollars I think Joseph Parker is going to make out pretty well joining me right now from a location that's much warmer than where I am. Uh, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Happy New Year, Sal. And a happy New Year to you, too, Billy C. How are you, my friend? Hey, listen, I'm doing good. Uh, I'm a little chilly. A but, little uh, chilly. you know, hey, hey, listen, last week we were talking about uh, Joseph Parker against Anthony Joshua. We both felt that uh, Parker should accept a, a fixed amount uh, of money. Uh, was demanding a 50-50 split. We talked uh, extensively about the drawing power of AJ, et cetera, et cetera. And now it's been uh, reported that it's looking like he's going to be getting somewhere between 30 and 35% of the uh, revenues, uh, Joseph Parker, that is. I think that that's a fantastic deal for him, maybe overpaying him. And then I think that the best person out of this whole scenario, the guy who is in the best position right now, is Deontay Wilder. Because if Joseph Parker can get a 30-35% split, why can't Deontay Wilder get his 50-50 split? What's your thoughts on this? I think it's tremendous. I think it's a great opportunity for Joseph Parker. And, you know, to be on a world stage against uh, what uh, debatably is one of the greatest heavyweight champions standing in the ring today, aside from uh, the two he's going to face hopefully this year. And uh, I think it's great. I mean, he's, he's got to go home very very uh healthy with his pocketbook or wallet uh no matter what, what if he loses or wins so uh the line is 
you know, and it will leverage him in the future too. So, you know, he can only gain from this this fight. And I think, uh, monetarily speaking, he he sets his stage for a new benchmark. Well, my my point here is that um, it's actually better for Deontay Wilder because yes. Deontay Wilder, at least, is uh, I'm no disrespect to Joseph Parker, but Deontay Wilder's got a much more recognizable name, even though he's not that recognizable uh, in in you know generalized uh, sports world. But um, he's definitely more known than than Joseph Parker. And if they're willing, they, meaning AJ, is willing to give Parker a uh, 30% split or a 35% split, don't you think that Deontay Wilder could possibly get his 50-50 split? I mean, yes, it kind of seems I that do. way. Based, yes, based, based on that, you know, we're not talking anything less than 40, maybe 50% up to that, and I, and I agree. Uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, maybe uh, – uh, AJ, I don't think he'll he'll be too petty over a couple percentage points here or there, but I think definitely between 35 and 50 percent, definitely uh, we see Deontay Wilder having a lot of leverage there from where we set the benchmark with Joseph Parker at the 35 percent. So that's what I meant by benchmark. So I think AJ and uh, and um, and uh, Deontay Wilder definitely uh, will be a very good even even uh, distribution of the wealth. Or uh, the purse, I should say. Well, so, some of the comments that were made now on uh, Joseph Parker, his promoter, um, uh, Paul Higgins, um, said that uh, – uh, I'm, I'm sorry, David Higgins. I don't know why I said Paul Higgins. He said that uh, he's confirming that the split uh, is between 30 and 35-ish uh, percent uh, of the revenues – uh, he says uh, we're coming uh, uh, close to in the middle of that, so I, I would think that that's thirty-two and a half percent. But uh, but he said that that you know the bottom line is we we have that part of it set. What we don't have set is a location or a date. But the two dates uh, apparently they're saying that the fight would not take place sooner then March 31st, but no later than April 28th. So obviously it's going to fall sometime in April. Uh, as for the location, they said that it's most likely going to be in the UK or someplace in Europe. But they're thinking that if Saudi Arabia, which rumored to come in to pay wow. $100 million for the fight, yes. they may have it there. You know, they've said that before. But I don't. They haven't anteed up any any actual coin. I I don't see this fight taking place anywhere other than the UK. What's your thoughts, Sal? Well, of course, the natural venue would be the UK. I think they can maximize uh, the live gate there, of course. But then again, hey, has there any been? Has there ever been really any big world ranked or title fight held in Saudi Arabia? Arabia. And that would draw the way this one would? I don't think so. So that would be an interesting venue. And we know they do have a lot of money over there that they can invest in. Well, I think that <laughs> it doesn't matter how much of a draw it yeah. is. You know, if they're throwing $100 million uh, at the promoter, uh, they so, don't care if there's uh, an empty stadium. You know, they get their money. That's so. what I'm saying. Exactly. Right. You know, so, so I, I don't uh, – I'm not so sure there. But, uh, but one thing, uh, we're going to take a short break here, but uh, 
the one thing that they're they're waiting on to get this deal done that they've they've agreed on the split they've agreed on the potential locations uh wherever they may be the dates all of that has been agreed on there's one stumbling block left and it's an interesting one sal we're going to talk about that uh as soon as uh we get back from uh break so uh uh don't uh don't go anywhere We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And before we went to break, uh, I said that there's uh, one thing uh, looming for the uh, official announcement and fully signing of the uh, unification heavyweight world title fight between Anthony Joshua and Joseph Parker. And Sal uh, put in uh, on the chat room, they thought it was the, the uh, distribution of the ring card girls. But no, it, wa- it wasn't that, Sal. But you're kind of close. It's over the officials. Apparently, See, they said I that they, were, they had a gut feel. They said that they, that, that they want to have um, a, uh, a, 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 well, here's the deal. Hearn, who's Anthony Joshua's guy, wanted to have um, uh, one ringside judge to be from uh, uh, Joshua's home country of the UK, one from Parker, uh, his home country of New Zealand, and one neutral. Team Parker says that they would prefer all three of the judges and the referee to be neutral. Um, I would think that they should all be neutral. What do you think, Sal? You know, I said earlier when we used to have uh, some debates uh even before uh, Bird uh, with her bad call. You know, I, I don't see really anything less than having it, having three judges, one neutral, one from each fighter's country, home country. That, I, I have no problem with that. That's fine. If you do three neutral judges, then that's, that's, that's fine too. But at least it should be from one of the fighter's home country uh, and one neutral judge. So you have your three right there or three neutral, either one. I could be very comfortable with. You see, I, by having a judge from your home country and having a judge from your opponent's home country, to me, it, it gives the assumption yes, that they are going to be scoring in favor of their guy. And then the neutral judge is the guy that's going to be the honest guy, you know, the neutral guy, the guy that doesn't have any connection. And then all of a sudden we wonder why we get these scores that are out of whack. You know, one has it for one guy, one has it for the other, and the other has it even. Yeah, we got to draw, you know. Um, In a fight of this magnitude, I don't want any pointing the fingers at the judges because what we see a lot of times, Sal, is you see a close fight, 
you have two judges that are within reason of each other's scorecards, and then that third one comes out of left field, and then everybody's you know yelling and screaming. Uh, it was a it was a robbery. It was this. It was that. Whereas the fight was actually close. I think three neutral judges and a uh, uh, neutral referee is the answer here. I I just think that that seems the most fair now. With that said, what really defines neutrality? I mean, you know, for somebody that's considered a neutral judge, how many times have we seen an incompetent judge or an incompetent referee brought in to the picture? So I I don't know, but this is apparently what the deal is hanging on right now. So it seems to me that uh, AJ's side is is adamant about having one one and one neutral and uh, Parker's side is is trying to push for three neutral plus a neutral referee. Um, I kind of I kind of agree with Parker's side. Well, I, it's a good point. It's a good debated issue too. And like I said, I just don't want to add a line bird there. But the bottom line is, uh, I think that uh, you know having having three neutral judges and a neutral referee is 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 fine. Uh, is great. Um, but if there had to be anything less than that, yeah, I could see one judge from each representing uh, representative country. So I think that, uh, um, you know, it is what it is and, and we're not going to have any say in the matter. So we'll see what they do. But, uh, I, uh, I could see Parker's stance on that. One other thing that, uh, has been agreed upon both fighters, uh, have signed off on uh, random drug testing. Uh, by the uh, Voluntary Anti-Doping Association, and that uh, there's a rematch clause in the contract uh, should uh, uh, Anthony Joshua lose. Uh, So if he wins, Parker's out of luck. Uh, If he loses, they get a rematch. And speaking of uh, uh, Anthony Joshua, most uh, places, including myself, uh, had uh, voted uh, Anthony Joshua against Vladimir Klitschko as fight of the year for 2017. There were a lot of great fights uh, in 2017, Sal, but but I agree, uh, not only because I already said it was my fight of the year, I, I think that not only was it an exciting fight, I think the ramifications and the long-term effects on the sport itself is what propelled it, in my opinion, as the fight of the year, what's what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I use my own judgment, my own meter, man. But any fight that gets me jumping off the the, the couch or so yelling, screaming, <laughs> it could qualify as a fight of the year for me. And 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 that was one of the uh, fights that did it for me. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I think it uh, definitely warranted. Uh, I think it got. I don't know if I saw on ESPN that it got round of the year. One of the uh, one of the fights, uh, one of the rounds in that fight. But uh, no, I agree. I, there was hard, hard. There was hardly any fights that could really top that kind of excitement. But there were a lot of great fights. And uh, for, but for me, that was uh, probably one of the best. Uh, the fighter of the year for uh, a lot of uh, different a- uh, vehicle avenues, I should say, um, Vasily Lomachenko. Uh, three uh, one-sided world title defenses for 2017. Um, the points were that uh, you know uh, the fights were stopped. Um, uh, fighter of the year, I, you know, a lot of people also have him as the number one pound for pound. Um, you know, other fighters that uh, you could uh, uh, put in that mix, really, in my opinion, just one, Terence Crawford. What's your thoughts of Vasily Lomachenko? For the most part, getting a fighter of the year for 2017. 
I could agree. I, you know, that I have I have no problem with that one. I mean, the guy does it all, uh, and uh, even for a guy that has no punching power, he he does stop his opponents by just wearing them down and breaking them down. He's a consummate boxer, and he is in the position to to exchange and throw punches at will. And uh, he slips them, he blocks them, he avoids them, and uh, he's right in the pocket, ready to fire his guns and. Uh, he's got a great sense of his whereabouts in the ring. He's got he's a general, ring general, and uh, I, I think defensively, I think he can take a shot. I think he's very good, very evasive. Even though he does get hit at times, he definitely comes back with a barrage of punches from all angles. And you know what can you expect? He comes in, he's well conditioned, he takes the sport seriously, and I, I think his father is his trainer. To correct too, that's correct, right? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, I mean, and what else can you say? This is one of those father-son relationships that really has transcended and worked. So uh, I give him a vote for Father of the Year, and I think he's gonna he's gonna do very well. I just hope they don't want to try and make him become a middleweight or welterweight right away. I think he's he's very comfortable right there. He fights, and he's gonna be a world beater right there. Yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. Um, and I think he's going to prove uh, a lot of what you just said this year coming up. I mean, do you think he could have a better year than he just had? Maybe four title defenses, but I'll tell you what. No, I like a fighter who keeps active, and, you know, he, he, he fights every couple of months, and uh, he puts it on the line, and, you know, he's just got to keep uh, lining him up and knocking him down, and uh, he'll be the fighter of the year for 2018 if he continues to do that. I, I think he's, he's, he's a young fighter in the sense where, you know, with his professional career, and the amount of fights, he's, he's got plenty ahead of him. Even though he's had a world of experience as an amateur, uh, I, I can only see this guy uh, not even peaking just yet. I think he's got a couple good years in the ring to give us all the great uh, fights that we're going to look to see from him. Um, another thing I, I wanted to uh, uh, bring up is, uh, you know, the former WBO flyweight champion, uh, Zhao uh, Schminging, um, he uh, was an Olympic gold medalist, started late, um, basically uh, lost his last fight. They brought in a, a slug to fight him, and he ended up losing. And he was trying to get uh, the WBO to order a rematch, and they said no. Well, it was reported last week that uh, he lost sight in his left eye, um, wow. which uh, most likely will uh, end his career. He's going to go under... Uh, uh, you know, some evaluation to see if they can, uh, uh, if it's a retina situation or whatever. But, um, you know, I, it, it kind of it made me wonder, Sal. Uh, you know, here's a guy months after a fight, and all of a sudden he loses sight in the eye. To me, that's clearly damage from, uh, from the ring. It, it, just, it just seemed to take time before it really uh, uh, magnified. Yes, but we see that. You know, we don't know when when those effects of the fights prior to uh, uh, a condition will catch up with you. And and you know, it's it's like the cracked egg syndrome. You know, you typical or or the cracked glass syndrome. You tip a glass over, it doesn't shatter, but it might have a little hairline crack. You tip it over again, it's going to shatter. But this uh, this could have been something that was definitely uh, coming on and 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 just. Uh, Tipped over the glass one too many times and boom, uh, it caught up. That's not a great analogy, but uh, definitely, you boxing is not a not a sport for uh, you know those that don't want to put it on the line because um, you know it's it def- definitely a, a dangerous sport. Um, we're gonna take a short break. When I come back, 
Um, Floyd Mayweather had some comments about <laughs> Anthony did. Joshua, and um, they're interesting. Interesting. Uh, one thing I, I, I wanted to add just before I take a break here, um, Alexander Dimitrenko, uh, he's a heavyweight ranked uh, at least in the IBF at number eight. Uh, he uh, has a record of 40 wins, three losses, and one draw. And the draw uh, he picked up on Saturday, December 23rd, when he fought uh, a late substitute who was undefeated going into the uh, ring, Mijan uh, Rukovic. Rove Cannon uh, is uh, eighteen and zero with a draw. This is a, a a guy that many people thought would make a a, a, a run at a world heavyweight title. Um, I don't know anything about his opponent, but uh, I think the time is uh, pretty much up for the six eight fighter. All three of his losses were against uh, decent or better than decent opposition, and all of his wins seem to come uh, against less than stellar opponents but uh anyway hey listen we're going to take a short break when i come back floyd mayweather was vocal uh with uh the fight the potential fight between anthony joshua and deontay wilder um i think it was kind of surprising to hear what he had to say at least to me i'll be back in two billy c will be right back now back to talking boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man! Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy, man. Uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way! I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C? Damn it! Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me! I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio it's talking boxing with billy c now back to billy c interact with the show at billycboxing.com and we're back you're watching and listening to the billy c show glad you could be with us and, uh, yeah, we're, this week, uh, you know, we're, we're off a day. You know, obviously, uh, uh, we're, we're not off another day. I'm saying we, we're, we're off our uh, – see what I'm saying? I can't – Sal, I, I can't – I'm a little rusty. I'm a little rusty, to be honest with you, man. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm a little rusty, too. I'm just getting behind – you know, charged. I'm on my third cup of coffee. It's just starting to kick in. Yeah, well, uh, I uh, you'll be running to the bathroom with uh, size coffees like that. But uh, Floyd Mayweather, um, you know, I, Floyd Mayweather. Listen, anybody that watches or listens to this show knows I'm not a fan of Floyd Mayweather, um, and I, I also believe that Floyd Mayweather uh, was uh, was pretty pretty smart or slick or whoever advised him. I don't. I don't think it was him personally, but whoever advised him to choose the path in which he did, the guy made a ton of money, uh, fighting less than stellar opponents, never uh, really going after the best of the best. Um, but it is what it is. But deep down, Floyd Mayweather knows this sport. He wouldn't have been able to to carry that to pull that off if he didn't. And. You know, with a lot of the stuff that goes on with Deontay Wilder, it almost seems like he's trying to follow Floyd Mayweather's path 
of, you know, cherry picking and fighting the easiest opponents and pounding his chest saying he's the best. Um, we've seen Floyd in the past criticize other fighters for doing what he successfully did. But he came out and made a comment about uh, Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder. And he said, he goes, well, this is a quote from Floyd. He said, I truly believe that Anthony Joshua is the A-side of a fight between Deontay Wilder and AJ. Why? Because he has a huge following. He has a country behind him. Look at the numbers he's getting. If the fight does happen, I think it can happen in the U uh, UK. I think it's bigger money in the UK. That's just my opinion. He says, I think everybody's overlooking Anthony Joshua. This is a guy that's a gold medalist. We look at Deontay Wilder's last fight, and he went out there and done what the F he was supposed to do in great fashion when you look at the guy he fought. The guy he fought was six feet tall, if that, and 40 years old. You got to realize Anthony Joshua showed heart of a lion, got hit by one of the Klitschko brothers, got right back up, and kept fighting like a warrior. Joshua, he can give it, but he can also take it. It's going to be a hell of a fight. Anthony Joshua, he's a knockout artist. Deontay Wilder, he's a knockout artist. Um, I got to be honest with you, Sal. To me, that's one of the most realistic statements I've ever heard come out of Floyd Mayweather's mouth. Um, I, you know, I thought he was listening to the show. I, I, to tell you the truth, I mean, I, there's no criticism from me no. in Floyd there because Floyd is telling it like it is. Wow. Although he didn't do the same thing for himself, I 100% back what he's saying about this. And I think Deontay Wilder needs to listen up too because Deontay Wilder... You know, he's got the pop. He's got the, uh, you know, uh, mindset of, of a champion. But the truth of the matter is, is he hasn't fought anybody. And he's not even a big draw. You know, the truth of the matter is, is Floyd. I hate. I, I, get ready to what I'm going to say. Floyd Mayweather's right, Sal. But, you know, Anthony <laughs> hey, uh, Joshua is the A-side. There's no question that AJ is the A-side. What's your thoughts, Sal? I concur on every sentence that came from uh, Floyd Mayweather's mouth. I think he, he spoke it black and white, true to be, and uh, I agree with him 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else you can say. I thought, he, I thought he was listening to the show for, for yeah. all, all the words he <laughs> there's, said. There's not much <laughs> else you can say, really. But uh, uh, anyway, one other thing I wanted to mention on the news front, uh, Holyfield, uh, Evander Holyfield's uh, Real Deal Boxing, announced that they're going to be doing a welterweight tournament um, for the WBC. They've teamed up with the WBC. Uh, it's a, a three-round, eight-man, single-elimination-style tournament, uh, which they're going to call the Jose Suleiman's World Invitational. It's open to all world-class fighters who qualify with a ranking in the top 40 by the WBC. So it, just as the WBC, top 40 welterweights, pretty much anybody can join this tournament, I think, Sal. I, I'm going to see if I can put an application in. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> uh, I think you have a shot because uh, top 40 in the WBC welterweights, um, I, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of fighters. Uh, first round, the fighters are going to receive $15,000 with the winner. Wow. 
uh, getting a bonus of 7500 This is something that you've talked about uh, extensively. Yes. Uh, the second round will uh, net a $30,000 purse for both with the winner uh, receiving in a $15,000 bonus. I love it. And then the third it. round, which is the finals, each fighter will receive seventy-five grand, and the winner receiving another twenty-five thousand uh, dollar victory uh, bonus. Uh, uh, I love that format. I love that. And I love it. I, yeah, I like the fact that they're they're giving uh, more money to to the winners. Uh, what's your thoughts? I know you love that. You you know I do. I mean that's why they call it prize fighting. You fight for the prize, and the winner should get the larger prize, of course. And we're talking about money. And uh, I I agree 100%. You know, that's boxing. Give the incentive. The winner gets the larger amount of money and a bigger purse. So I think that's, uh, that's right on my alley. I can't wait to see this whole series. Well, back in the day when, uh, you know, when I during the time of uh, Tom Molino, the guy I wrote my book on, uh, the winner got all the money. And right. the losers... They took up a collection. They'd pass a hat around for the loser, and, and these were uh, these were death fights. You know, I mean, uh, it worked. You know, uh, uh, not everybody uh, made it out of there unscathed. So, uh, um, um, uh, amazing stuff. But uh, we got some emails to read. You want to read some emails? Love to read emails. All right, this first one's from uh, my man Mike from Michigan. He says, "Hey Billy C, uh, I've never seen this." He's talking about Lomachenko as the subject. I've never seen this. I've never seen a fighter as good as Lomachenko. From when film began, I've just never seen anybody as talented, period. Uh, he says uh, he, is a, he is the essence of what the sweet science is. It's something on a level we have never seen, or at least I've never seen. He's the one. Uh, P.S. I hope all is well. I hope all is well with you too, Mike. Um I don't know. It's hard to disagree with a statement like that. I mean, um, the essence of the sweet science, I think he's a pretty good example of what the true definition is. Uh, what's your thoughts, Sal? Well, I'm a big fan of Lomachenko. And, and yes, I, I say pound for pound right now, he's one of my favorite fighters. I mean, he does it all. And um, I'm, uh, I don't know if you can actually say the essence, but he definitely personifies and and is depicted as an all-around great great fighter great boxer and uh the sweet science definitely he uh he could be included in that name under the definition of sweet science for sure for sure um we got another thanks for the email mike uh we got another email this is from uh from your man he says uh hey billy c and my friend sal uh this is from Cutman, mikey rella he says, Mike, uh, Merry morning. Christmas and Happy New Year to you guys. I just wanted to check in and give you guys a few fights that I'd like to see in 2018. Uh, Joshua versus Wilder, Thurman versus Spence, and Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia. I would also like to see Terrence Crawford fight at 147. Uh, however, he needs to fight smaller welterweights because the bigger guys will give him trouble. Also, look for me in the corner of Luis uh, Colazzo and Danny Jacobs at the Barclays Center. They're fighting in March and April, respectively. All the best. Seasons beatings. Um, my <laughs> Seasons man, Cutman uh, cut Rella, uh, you know, I will be looking for him for sure in Danny Jacobs' yes. corner and uh, Luis Colazzo. Um, I, I agree with him. I'd love to see uh, Joshua Wilder, Thurman Spence, and Lomachenko against Mikey Garcia, even though I think Garcia is too big for Lomachenko. But I disagree with him about the Terrence Crawford. Um, 
Terrence Crawford, he decides to move up to 147. That means he needs to fight 147 guys. Uh, to say that he needs to fight smaller welterweights because the bigger guys are going to give him trouble. That's, uh, I don't like that. Because if you're going to go up in weight and you're going to fight in a weight class, 147 is the weight limit. That's who you got to fight. That's where these guys that can, you know, lose the weight and, and uh, dehydrate down uh, to 147 for the weigh-in and then rehydrate up to 190. Uh, that's their, you know, their bodies can do it. What's your thoughts about him saying uh, maybe he shouldn't fight the bigger welterweights? Well, then he should stay as a junior welterweight. I mean, it, it is – I don't like the whole day before weigh-ins for simply the reason you said. You know, when you have a weigh-in the morning of the fight, you know, you can rehydrate. You can do what you have to do, but you're probably going to be within 10 pounds of your weight class by the time you step in a ring uh, 12 hours later, 14 hours later. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's a more realistic way to keep fighters within their natural weight or within a weight that is, is is satisfactory for all parties involved with the fight, and and uh, I think um, you know his his statement. Yeah, I, I you can't become a welterweight champion not having to face um, every welterweight out there, including the larger ones who do do the weight uh, gaining after fights. Uh, so you got to be ready to fight everyone. Maybe maybe he meant his early fights just to get adjusted. Uh, to to a lighter weight or smaller welterweight, but he's gonna eventually he's gonna have to face every big, small, middle, heavy uh, welterweight. Well, that's what it is. That, you know that division goes by like all divisions goes by well, weight. Yeah. So it is what it is. It we is got, what it is. He's gonna have to face anybody that can make the welterweight limit. Right. Um, we got uh, an email from my man uh, Mitch, and. Mitch. Uh, he says, well, this is about Floyd Mayweather. And he had made a statement saying that Floyd Mayweather pretty much um, is uh, uh, a guy who, just like I thought, has, has been along the fraudulent side uh, when you look at, uh, um, you know, uh, who he's fought, when, what the other opportunities were. And uh, Mitch went out of his way here. He says, Upon my research, uh, my eyes may be deceiving me, but I'm going through this, so you know I may be wrong, but check it out. Uh, at first glance, Floyd Mayweather seems to have never unified with another champion until Carlos Baldemir. He says, uh, mind you, I was reading fast, so if this is inaccurate, I apologize. He says, but if it's true, this has to be the dictionary definition of a great fighter cherry picking he says that means he won or defended 22 times without unifying that's incredible most people count baldemir as a unification but he retained the ibo and won the wbc and iba from baldemir the iba and ibo doesn't count um i think that the ibo does count and uh, Floyd had the IBO belt, um, but the IBA certainly doesn't count. And Carlos Baldemir was clearly the easiest fight for him to become a welterweight champion at that time. Uh, Carlos Baldemir, a stationary target, no match for Floyd. Anyway, so he says, would have to go to the Canelo fight 
to truly say the first time he unified, meaning fought another champion in weight class, uh, and even that was a catch weight. Two things uh, to add. He says, first, he was called the lineal champion in those fights. For example, when he fought Mosley, there was no WBC, IBF, WBA, or WBO belt on the line, yet the winner was recognized as the lineal welterweight champion. Uh, secondly, if you take away the fact that some of those titles were either uh, the challenger or fought for a vacant title uh, like a non-champion, I can't count those in the 22, but it's still a very high number in the teens. I also can't count, for example, when he beat Zab Judah. By beating Zab Judah, he won the IBF and vacant IBO title. So let's pretend the IBO was the WBA belt. It's still not a unification uh, with another champ because the belt was vacant. Uh, this is an incredible statistic uh, about Floyd Mayweather. Uh, numbers don't lie. These numbers do tell a great story. Tyson unified or attempted to unify with other champions in his class. Evander unified or attempted to unify. Tarver unified or attempted to unify. Roy Jones, Pernell Whitaker, Oscar De La Hoya, Manny Pacquiao, Terrence Crawford, Biha. All these guys are great, and they tried to be great, and in order to do so, they unified uh, with some... Uh, becoming undisputed world champions. Floyd was a 12-time champion in five different weight classes. I can't believe that he only has a couple of unifications. That's interesting. That's um, but we have been detail. saying but we have been saying all along that he was a master at uh at at you know I hate to use the word cherry picking, but I will. At cherry picking opponents. He made the most money for the least amount of effort. What do you think on all the research my man Mitch did here, Sal? Mitch, Mitch did a world of research, and boy, I appreciate that. But you want to know why boxing's so convoluted or, or, or hard to follow today? <laughs> that was like a bouncing ball. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, uh, I look back at uh, you know there should be one belt, but it's never going to happen. But uh, uh, that was a real. Real, oh man, I can't believe all the research he put into that. But he is true with that, and you know Floyd uh, has another one in his uh, quiver right there with, the, with all the belts and all the titles. Um, Jeez, he puts I, in I, more research than you do on a daily basis. Well, he, I, you know what, on a daily basis, I think he put a little more effort into that than what <laughs> I am allowed to do. <laughs> Let um, me tell you, I got one more. I got one more. Bouncing ball. Yeah, it was hard to. I got one more uh, email. This is from my man uh, Johnston. Uh, and uh, Johnston has a column uh, up on uh, Billy C. Boxing. Uh, he says, uh, Happy New Year, Billy C. and Sal. Uh, well, what a 2017 we had. Uh, and over five months ago, I said it was the best year of boxing since 1997. And although it was a great year, I still don't think it quite matched up. Uh, here are my 20 best fights from each year. And in my opinion, this is Johnston, 97 uh, edges it out. Um, in 1997, his top 20 fights, Holyfield Tyson, two. Uh, he's got Holyfield Mora, two. Louis Galata, uh, Louis McCall, Foreman Briggs, Tony, uh, James Tony, Mike McCallum, Jones Jr. against Griffin, one. Jones Jr. against Griffin, two. Calzaghe, Eubank. Camacho Leonard, Hopkins Johnson, 
uh, De La Hoya Whitaker, De La Hoya Camacho, uh, Gotti Ruales, uh, Hamed against Kevin Kelly, Zaragoza against Morales, Junior Jones against Barrera 2, Junior Jones uh, against McKinney, Hernandez against Nelson, and Romero, Romero against Johnny Tapia. Um, those are some great fights from 1997. You remember them? Oh, yeah. Those were fantastic fights. That's uh, And 97 was, uh, man, that's, that's going back 20 years. Yeah, it's amazing that it's uh, been 20 years. Uh, Foreman-Briggs was a great fight. Uh, and this, and that that was when Briggs was you know not as uh, nutty as he is now. Of course, uh, Tyson Holyfield, the Mora fight against Classic. Holyfield, uh, Louis Galata, you know Andrew Galata. He could arguably be one of the w- most wasted talents to ever put on a pair of boxing gloves. I mean, uh, this guy, uh, if he just, uh, I don't know if his discipline was a little better. Um, De La Hoya Camacho, Camacho. Uh, was still uh, uh, past his prime. Even though, man, Hector Camacho fought for so so many years. It's unbelievable. Johnny Tapia, great fights. Um, in 2017, his top 20, uh, Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko. Um, hey, Bellew, uh, what's wrong with Johnston? I, this guy's dead to me now, Sal. I mean, give me no, a break. No, he's not. Come on now. Well, no, he, no, did no, put, no, he did no. put... He did put just for entertainment value. See, uh, see, yeah. there you go. That's redemption. No, no, no. David Hay is such a fraud. <laughs> That's um, a lot. DeGal against uh, Badeau Jack. That was a great fight. Uh, a lot of people forget that because it happened in January of last year. Ward Kovalev, too. Um, you know, you look at that yeah. fight and you got to give the accolades to Andre Ward uh, for that fight, um, saying he was going to knock out Kovalev and doing so. Um, on the other hand, you look at Kovalev and you say, man, I, you know, I know both Sal and myself, we, we lost a lot of respect for Kovalev quitting. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I got, I guess you got to give it credit to, to Andre in that one. Uh, David Lemieux, Billy Joe Saunders, you know, that wasn't such a great fight when it comes to both fighters. You know, when you look at Anthony Joshua against, uh, Vladimir Klitschko, it was a great performance by both fighters. Um, not a one-sided fight by any stretch of the imagination. In the uh, uh, both uh, Ward Kovalev and Billy Joe Saunders, David Lemieux fight, Sal, they were one-sided. I mean, uh, you know, you have to give credit to the winners in both those fights, uh, but they were one-sided battles. You know, fight of the year to me should include, um, you know, fights that were back and forth, as you like to say so often, ebb and flow. The ebb and flow. Absolutely. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think you're right. I uh, I follow your bouncing ball there and that that concept uh, a lot easier. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think Lemieux and uh, uh, was uh, I, he didn't show much effort on his end. So how can you say it was that competitive of a fight? Uh, it wasn't uh, was one for me to watch. And uh, you know some of the other ones out there were were a little more entertaining. But uh, I agree with you. Um. Let's see. He's got uh, he's got some other ones here. Um, that uh, let's see. I lost my place. Oh, here we go. Uh, Triple G, Danny Jacobs. Um, it's a good fight. 
Yeah, it was a good fight. Definitely a good fight. Canelo against Triple G, of course. Um, good fight. Not great fight, but good fight. Kaitrov against, uh, what, Canelo, Triple G? That was a good fight. We didn't yeah, like the result. I said it was a good fight. It wasn't a great fight. It was, it was a very good fight. I expected more. We expected more from Triple G. That's what I expected. Yes, I still say that he won that fight. I still think he did enough to win that fight. Uh, but I expected him to close out the fight a little bigger, a little larger. Uh, Kaitrov against Aleem. He puts a note here. The second round saw 200 punches thrown. There's only 180 seconds in a round. What a fantastic fight. If if anybody hasn't seen it, watch it. Um, that's amazing that... That you know, 180 seconds in a in a round, and there were more punches thrown than seconds in a round. That's, That's pretty cool. unbelievable. Yeah. That's pretty big. He's got Thurman Garcia, Brooks Brents Jr., uh, Jeff Horn, Manny Pacquiao, Porter Berto, Crawford Indongo, uh, Broner Garcia, Lomachenko Rigandow, Linares Crawler. Uh, Santa Cruz Frampton. That, that's a fight again. It that was, was in the beginning, beginning of the year fight. that people forgot. Burnett uh, Zakianov, uh, Gonzalez Gonzalez uh, Wangit, uh, the first one, and uh, Connor uh, Ben uh, Pennard fight, uh, which won uh, fight of the year over in England. Uh, he says, uh, "What do you think? I hope 2018 is even better." Um, what do I think overall, uh, 2017 versus 1997? Um, I don't know, man. That's a tough one because there were some great fights in 2017, substantial, meaningful fights. And I got news for you. As much as I'm a huge Tyson fan and, uh, you know, I actually liked the Shannon Briggs from the, from the late 90s versus today, um, I, you know, and I, and I was a De La Hoya fan. I loved uh, Hector Camacho. Um, uh, I don't know. I I think I, people are going to be shocked at my answer here, Sal. But I think 2017 uh, was a better year for fights than 1997. What do you think? I tend to agree with you because we uh, uh, they're fresher, so we have them more uh, readily available to recall in our minds. But uh, we had a competitive year. This was we said all throughout last year. That this is the year that boxing, as I was saying earlier, rebooted itself. And uh, we had fighters challenging themselves. We had fighters that were significantly uh, stepping it up and uh, looking to bring out their best. And uh, I think it was a great year, fantastic year. Do I think 2018 can top it? I don't know. It's going to be a hard one to top. Uh, I think we're going to see some big fights, meaningful fights. Uh, but as far as the excitement and the, the value, uh, like I said, if we can benchmark and uh, call 2017 the reboot year to benchmark, then we're we're going to resurrect boxing. We're going to see it unfold uh, and gain its statue, statue back right where it should be. You know, I, I've said this a, a lot, and I know it it follows what I say about not being a Floyd Mayweather fan, but... It just seems to me that when Floyd is not active in the ring, when he's not boxing, um, we seem to have a a better um, better matches. When he decides to come back, it seems like everything is put on hold in the sport. Other great fights aren't made and stuff. So, with that said, 
you know, one of my wishes for 2018, Sal, would be for Floyd Mayweather to focus on Mayweather promotions. Because I think Floyd Mayweather, with his knowledge of the sport, um, and, you know, the fact that he's a, you know, the Mayweather name is, is so prominent in, in boxing, and in professional boxing, I, I think that he should take that ball and run with it. I, I think that he should try to focus his ego, which we all know he has, and, and get his juice, get his reward to feed that ego with his promotional company. Uh, you know, I think he needs to not consider coming back, even though people do throw buku dollars at the guy. I mean, you know, you know, he's he can make a hundred million for stepping back in the ring. If I'm Floyd Mayweather, I take the same pride I took in trying to, you know, win and and not lose and keep my O intact, and use that same ego slash pride and develop Mayweather Promotions to be a real promotional company and i say real i know it's a real company now but i mean a substantial top level promotional company right now you're looking at golden boy and top rank as the two tops mayweather promotions could very easily be in the same breath as those two it's got to start with floyd letting go of trying or being fearful what it appears to me and this is my opinion he appears to be fearful of bringing in talent that might supersede his own for when he was uh, in, in the sport. And I, I think if he can let that go, Sal, and focus and use his competitiveness, which he clearly has, uh, as a promoter and use the competitiveness to put on great events and sign fighters who are willing to fight and, and you know make these mega fights happen, uh, I think it would be great not only for his own you know, uh, his own self, but for the sport itself. And, and if anybody owes something back to the sport, and I say it's Floyd Mayweather. And, and the reason why I say that is because he's been made, and now, now granted, he made a lot of moves on his own uh, to, uh, to get where he is today. But Floyd Mayweather owes a lot to the sport of boxing, Sal. And I, and I think that if he focused on Mayweather promotions, we could be in a good position having three big boys playing, uh, uh, you know, uh, putting the fights together. It, it just levels the playing field. Uh, you know, it's not good when you have one or two running the show uh, because then you, you end up with stagnation. And, and is that a word? Uh, I, 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 I can accept that, Slip Mahoney. Okay, yeah, I think that's a word. But, I mean, what do you think, man? What do you think? <laughs> I think we got a perpendicular on that one. Yeah. See what we got up with. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, Floyd. Floyd has a great opportunity to get off the ground with uh, um, his promotional outfit. Now, you, you, you also we got to throw in a mix. Main events. They're still up there. They're still alive. So I think you know having four great promotional outfits uh, would be a real way way to bring some big fights to us. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Floyd Mayweather doing some color commentary either, you know, doing some things here, get his ego and get his opinion because he is a knowledgeable guy. He does know the fight game. So, you know, I think his, his fans and, and his ego would probably feed well into that. You know, maybe uh, maybe we'll see him turn up on HBO or Showtime once, once in the blue moon. I hope not because, you know, <laughs> these guys that do that, it's not like us. You know, when we do a broadcast or we do uh, commentating – you know, we're, we're, we're doing it real. You know, we don't have any, uh, 
uh, what do they call those things? Um, prompters in front of us. We don't have all the things. And they do on those bigger networks. Yeah, um, they do. I, I, I know when I did um, a sports channel uh, event up in Canada once, they had a little prompter for us uh, telling us, you know, what they wanted to, to say or whatever. Um, you know, Smile. the funny thing is, is that Floyd can't read. So, I mean, how's he going to do that? What are they going to do, make symbols for him? No, come on now. Give Floyd a little more credit than that. The guy, the guy, I think he would do very well. I think they would go off the cuff and they'll get his opinion. They'll ask him and he'll voice his opinion. I think he would do very well. I think he could do very well and find a nice little gig on the side. Not every fight, but uh, some significant fights they could bring him in and say, hey, Floyd, what do you think about this? What's your opinion about that? Who do you think is going to do this and that? I think he doesn't need a chart for that, and he could do whatever he would like to do to give his opinion and his assessment of what's going on. Floyd would say, how much are you going to pay me to do that? <laughs> well, sure you he can't, will. You can't, you <laughs> can't pay that's, me that's enough. You, it, man. Yeah, but they're not going to pay him enough. They're not going to well, pay him Well, then he enough. won't be there. Exactly. Right. Then he won't be there. <laughs> See, you have nothing to worry about. I know. I know. But uh, <laughs> anyway. Hey, listen, let's take a short break. Uh, and when we come back. We'll talk a little boxing. What do you think? You think we're I in the mood for a good boxing? Topic. I think we should start I think we should. into that. I think we should. Don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be back uh, in uh, two minutes. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. It's Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Hey, don't forget, we want you to join us on January 19th in St. Simon, or at St. Simon, on St. Simon, yeah, 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 on St. Simon's Island at the Sea Palms Resort. Sal and I are going to be doing another episode of uh, Billy C's Boxing Revisited, and we want you to be part of our live audience. We're going to show you not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights that you'll be able to watch and uh, enjoy. We're going to have uh, some food laid out for you and a cash bar. You'll get to rub elbows with uh, a former world champion or two. And uh, we're looking forward uh, to another great time. Now, if you missed the last one we did at the Sea Palms, you missed a good time. Don't miss this one. It's our After the Holidays holiday party. Just go to seapalms.com and uh, call up and tell them you want to uh, book a room for uh, the Billy C event on Friday, January 19th. And, of course, we're going to invade Sal's restaurant. Right, Sal? Absolutely. We'll be there with bells and whistles. Literally bells. Ding, ding, ding. You know that. And we'll be uh, we'll be showing fights and everything else. We'll have a good time. Hey, listen, just so you guys know, we made some uh, changes for 2018. Uh, we got some new segments coming on and one that I'm really excited about that we're going to debut next week. 
um, is fights that never were. You know what I mean? I mean, fights that we always wanted that never were. Uh, for an example, and I'm not saying this is one of them, but for example, I've always felt that Floyd Mayweather should have fought Triple G. I, I feel that that fight was parallel to what Sugar Ray Leonard did when he came out of retirement and fought Marvelous Marvin Hagler. Uh, you know, for people that say, oh, well, you know, Mayweather's just a little guy. Triple G's so big. That's not true. Um, you know, they Triple G has shown that he's not a big middleweight. Big middleweight, uh, you know, Danny Jacobs is a big middleweight, you know. Um, you, you want to go back, Iran the Blade Barkley was a big middleweight, you know. Uh, fights like that. Anyway, we're going to take a, a fight that uh, may uh, have never happened. Another one that people have mentioned all the time is Mike Tyson against George Foreman. And uh, we are going to... Uh, Break it down, and, and, and it's going to be kind of fun because it's going to have myself and Sal and Dax Khan and uh, Alex Perpali all on at the same time, and we're all going to give you our thoughts of how the fight would have went if uh, they indeed fought, um, our opinions of, of how the fight would have went and who would have won. Then at the end, uh, or actually Alex's uh, job here, uh, is going to be to play the fight uh, in the title belt championship computer game, let the computer decide, and he will be calling the fight for us uh, basically round by round, uh, telling us uh, how it went. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. Sal, what do you think, man? I mean, it's, oh, it's, man. it's kind of an you interesting... You know, we talk about that. We've talked about that. You know, we, we why there was never a Kenny Norton-Joe Frazier fight. Uh, that would have been a great fight. And one of my favorites, I can't wait to see Alex plug this into his magic boxing machine, would be uh, at their prime as a lightweight. I want to see Roberto Duran versus Julio Cesar Chavez as lightweights in their peak. Yeah, my man uh, Randy Gordon, who's uh, watching uh, right now on our Facebook uh, Randy uh, simulcast, uh, he just brought up a real good one. Larry Holmes against George Foreman, another fight that never took place. Be a great fight. You know, be a great fight. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I can't wait for that segment. Uh, but uh, but anyway, listen, this week we got, uh, you know, kind of a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Splintered, Slow, splintered week. Stagnant? Uh, no, stagnation. <laughs> uh, one of the stagnation. guys in the chat room said stagnation is actually uh, a country where all the, the male deers go. <laughs> to stagnation, you know. But uh, anyway, oh, um, uh, yeah, easy, easy. Okay. <laughs> no deer are called stags. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I call bucks. them deer. Me the personally, I call them deer. Here. But I, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, um, anyway, the bottom line is we got some new stuff coming. To some uh, also a couple other segments I won't get into right now, but we will be unveiling them uh, for anybody that's watching. On our Facebook feed, you will notice uh, that you have a uh, much better camera feed. Um, although uh, today, with the sun shining through the studio windows here, uh, you may not be uh, noticing it. But uh, but it's it's trust me when I tell you, it's a much better camera uh, and feed. So uh, we're we're excited about that and a bunch of other stuff. But uh, let me uh, let me just say this: uh, a couple of things happened on this day early day of the new year 
uh, on January 2nd in 1978, Gutty Espadas knocks out Kimio uh, uh in the seventh round to uh, uh, to retain his WBA World Flyweight title. It took place in Tokyo, Japan. Japan has made uh, a it's it's a regular thing. They do those New Year's Eve uh, fights, and we had some uh, good ones again this year. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't give you any results, but uh, uh, they're always good. They're always good down in Japan, you know. But uh, also on this day, January 2nd in 1957, Gene Fulmer Gee. wins a 15-round decision over the best ever Sugar Ray Robinson wow. to win the world middleweight title. It took place at Madison Square Garden in New York City on this day in 1957. Um, you know, I, I wonder if if boxing will ever get back to having major events on holidays. Um, typically now, it's the death sentence if you try to schedule something uh, around Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's with the exception of Japan. Um, real quick, you, you think that there's a possibility that they could ever be successful or has no, life just gotten no, too busy? No, I, I don't think so because we're too caught up in the, into making our own plans to do things that we are looking forward to the holidays. I think that that era is gone and I hope someone can prove me wrong, but no, I think, you know, what? we're, we're too wrapped up in, in, in our, you know, it's like uh, John Lennon. Life is what happens while you're making other plans. And I think we're too caught up. You know, you, you show a fight on Christmas. Well, we got to go there by Aunt Betty's. We got to do this. We got that party to go to. We got this and that. Oh, we got to get something for the kids. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen anymore. Not on a big day. If it does happen, I'd, I'd welcome it. But you know what? We got to center too many things around what we already have uh, in our minds as far as what we're going to do to make plans on the holidays like that. Well, that's a shame because other sports, other sports, people do do it. Like well, football. Well, look at yesterday. Can I tell you? Can I? Can I say something? If you're not going to say it, if, you, if you're going to say it, just shut me up. Go ahead, right. say it. Do you know? I, I, you know, growing up in the Northeast. We, I wasn't much of a college football fan. I'm a big, you know, professional football fan. Roll Tide. Well, not only Roll Tide, no, but I did know. you see our Georgia Bulldogs yesterday dismantle and beat Oklahoma? Time out. Time Unbelievable. out. Time I out. I was so excited. Obviously, and you had a freshman quarterback time who out. played high school football last year. L listen to me. Against the Heisman Trophy winner. L and he just... Oh, my gosh. What an exciting game, Bill. Okay. Overtime. And the Stop. Georgia Bulldogs won the championship, and they're going to go to the Nationals next time. Yeah, and they play in I Alabama. So oh, and listen. guess what? Evander Holyfield's son plays for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's right. And he did a great job. But, but let me let me, let me, let me and just. And another thing. Wait, no, no, no. You're done. <laughs> listen, here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's First of all, my top. I'm done. a big college football guy. <laughs> big college football guy. My top yeah. three favorite college football teams. Alabama number one, Boise State number two, and Georgia Bulldogs because of you and everybody down there that I love uh, is my third favorite college team. Now, as far as Georgia dismantling Oklahoma, no, I think that was a very Excuse poor me, choice of words. I overchomped at the bit, okay? That I was a very bad choice of words. 
the uh, uh, Oklahoma jumped out to a, a, a big lead in that game. Big lead. Georgia came back, and in the second half, in, in case you in case you didn't watch it all, I did. And in the second half, Georgia came back and was pretty much beating the hell out of Oklahoma until the very end. They let Oklahoma get right back in it. Uh, Fromm threw that interception. And, uh, you know, next thing you know, the game is tied and we're going into overtime. But there is no doubt about it that the excitement level uh, of that overtime win, especially how they won with that touchdown oh. at the end, uh, they just punched their ticket to the national championship. And who are they going to play? My favorite college football team, Alabama, who had another uh, display of defense against Clemson yesterday. Uh, what an exciting game that was. Uh, to me, anyway, and and what I heard one out of the whole game, I heard one thing that the announcer said that really struck me. He said, during the home stretch of the college football season, uh, Alabama's defense looked tired. They were, you know, maxed out. They were, they were, you know, uh, offenses were catching up to them in the second half and everything else. He said they looked refreshed last night, and they did. And it's going to be interesting to see because Alabama did su suffer a couple of major injury injuries to their defensive unit, uh, not only uh, during the season but last night. It's going to be interesting to see if um, Georgia, whose head coach used to be the defensive coordinator of Alabama, can stop Alabama. And Alabama, wow. who's good against the run, they got to be able to stop that three-headed attack of Georgia. They have three yeah. great running backs, but like you mentioned – uh, Jake um, from I think his first name is Jake. Is it? Where's he from? He's he's from he's uh. But they the thing is they got even a better quarterback sitting on the bench. Uh, Eason. Yeah, well, I I love Jacob Eason, but uh, anyway that wasn't even fun. that wasn't even funny. You know what, Sal? Now we got to end the show up, because I, you know you you, beat, you right? went you too beat. far. You went too far, Santa Cola. You know, but uh, but anyway, hey, listen, boys and girls, we're gonna be back on our normal schedule. Uh, normal times, everything else. We still there's a little rust, a little bumps in the road here uh, after a long winter's nap, and I feel like <laughs> taking another long winter's nap. It's for reason up here. But uh, but the bottom line is, hey, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning, same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.